Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to Science Faction. The only show where a scientist, a comedian, and a comedian scientist come together to discuss science. Comedically. Hello, and welcome to Science Faction's uh, 688. Science Faction, smoking for cancers and COVID's cousins. Like smoking for cancer. This is like the worst. Like telethon. This is like that's like a this is it's like a, like um like a married with children like like fake parody of a telethon. The smoking for cancer. That's right. We got the Shriners out here. We got the VFW. I feel like someplace in the Midwest in the 1950s definitely had a smoking for cancer type. I I I kind of feel like a lot of. A lot of things were probably basically smoke-a-thons. If you look at a dance-a-thon, like a sock hop in the 1950s, those 15-year-olds were walking out of the gym to go, like, nail some Paul Malls behind, right? Like, like that was just kind of accepted. I mean, the, the waiting room of a family practice doctor. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it, was, it was no different. <laughs> we were so dumb. We were just so dumb back then. And it's not as if, like, somebody wasn't sounding the alarm. No, we've seen, like, the people have been talking about the horrors of what smoking could do since, like, back in, like, the 1700s and stuff. Like, we definitely knew. It was just, like, it was just part of the culture. It was one of those things. We're like, we're just going to keep going, bro. This is going to be a climate change thing. Like, like our, our grandchildren are going to be, oh, my God, we were so dumb. We just we just threw the plastic in the ocean. We just threw it in the ocean. Yeah. Meanwhile, yeah, I feel like like somebody in the 1950s, if they were to look at us now, would be like, I don't understand how you get a roll of vape up in the sleeve of your white T-shirt to look tough. <laughs> also, uh, did we go to the moon? Because that, wo- that dame had blue hair. <laughs> she one of them Martians. Oh, dear. And speaking of the Martian of this show, I, of course, am your host, comedian archaeologist Robert Timothy. With me, as always, is my comedian, Mr. Damien Ricardo. Damien, how are you doing this evening? Uh, I am doing fine, and I'm more the Martian than you have. I have survived off my own feces, all on Matt Damon, way more than you have. Yeah, but there were no potatoes involved. You weren't actually growing anything out of your own feces. Uh, you just got stuck on one of those in one of those bathroom doors that had a uh, push to get out, but you thought it was pull and had spent seven and a half days <laughs> simply tugging on the door as hard as you could. I hadn't seen the Far Side comic, so I didn't know uh, about <laughs> like like I didn't understand. I didn't spend months studying the joke to get how to solve this puzzle. I never thought I'd be here. Oh, and if you catch yourself stuck in a bathroom eating your own feces, go ahead and subscribe to our Patreon to get out of there. You can search Robert Timothy on Patreon for four extra science articles every single week. I would argue you don't have to do it just for that reason. I, I would argue that like like sure. there are other reasons you might find yourself yes. doing that those things you said. Uh, like it, it doesn't have to be a feces uh, uh, no confinement situation. If you do catch yourself. Confined in an area, unable to leave, certainly going to die of starvation and surviving off your own feces. Subscribing to the Patreon will help. Yes. In that way, in that if you send us a letter through Patreon on your phone, uh-huh. we will call sure. the authorities for you. Though if you had the internet connection, mm-hmm. it's almost willful that you're not calling the authorities. Like it's Well, you know, I you might have been right 
a few years ago, but ever since we overloaded the internet with the literally millions of emails we get uh, about uh, about our Patreon every single week. Entire Amazon warehouses of server space. Yes, Elon has actually put up a Starlink satellite that simply handles science faction Patreon communications, and therefore, while you might be out of service range for literally any 5G cell phone or anything, you can always get science faction Patreon service at any time. I'm actually very resentful of that for Elon. Like of all of all the shit he's done, that has the one that has personally negatively affected me the most. I don't want that sure. public. I'd like to hide and suppress all that. Um, also, by the way, everybody, if you are uh, free on Sunday, we are having our uh, awful neutral. Our D&D podcast, I wouldn't say our, my D&D podcast, I wouldn't ever associate you with, with no. the gem that is Awful Neutral. Please don't. But uh, we are starting our second campaign, uh, and we are going to be uh, together live in the studio. Once again, something that has not happened since before COVID. Uh, that is uh, another race that I've beaten Bobby to, the race back to the studio. Also, I have a much bigger cast to do. Yeah, no, no, I mean, let's we can measure dicks mm. after the ad, Bobby. Sure. Uh, but yes, we are starting our can- second campaign. Uh, it's going to be our episode zero. We're going to be live again. Uh, and then uh, after that, we're going to start gearing up for the second campaign in earnest. The first episode just going to be world building. Please join us on Twitch, YouTube, wherever you g- get your uh, streams at uh, Awful D&D at 11 a.m. Pacific Standard Time. Thank you very much and I uh, hope you enjoy it. And you probably you should tell people that you probably need to be on some kind of dark web server to be able to get things like this or child porn, whatever, in the same genre. You have to be on some kind of weird VPN thing. Otherwise, mm. somebody will get a hold of your IP address. They'll know that you're doing this kind of stuff and you will be uh, thoroughly prosecuted, as you should be. I have a question. When John Lithgow was like proselytizing to Kevin Bacon about the evils yeah. of dancing and how much he, how uh-huh. much dancing displeased him and God, gosh darn yeah. it, I just don't understand it do you think like kevin uh, bacon was like impressed with his bluster and his blowhardness and his inability to adapt i mean again the analogy is more closer to child porn so like if if john lithgow (laughs) was speaking out against (laughs) against child porn i would expect kevin bacon to either hear his point and and absorb it or be some kind of sociopath who didn't care and if you're saying that you are the sociopath who doesn't care i already know that i've known you for a long time yeah, you're right. Being the uh, being the conservative old preacher, that guy w- unlikely to have weird sex stuff with kids. Totally, <laughs> history has proven that you're you're an analogous character, totally free of suspicion for child pornography. Uh, dude, let's move right on to science articles. From molecules to particles, this is science articles. I have never seen that movie, but I know so much about John Lithgow from, I just know he was the bad guy and he killed it. Uh, still, yeah. I, I wasn't going to watch a movie about dancing. Yeah, I did also never, I, I actually, to be honest, I also, because I have not seen either of these movies, frequently confuse Dirty Dancing and Footloose, and I'm not sure, that's why I'm always confused, like, why are you talking about Kevin Bacon? Isn't it Patrick Swayze? Like, I don't, there's a lot of, like, dance-based movies yes. coming out in that time period. And there's also Flashdance, which you might, that she was just, she was, she worked at, it, I think it took place in Pittsburgh, and that's the scene where she mm. pours water on her head and leans back, if ah. you remember that. 
Yeah, there were three dance movies. There was an era where Hollywood, each of the big studios was competing to be the number one dance movie of the summer. (laughs) (laughs) Until those idiots figured out it was all about the number one volcano movie of the summer. (laughs) Hollywood did that with Volcano. And then they also did two bowling movies at the same time with Kingpin and, uh, and The Big Lebowski. Like, oh, Paramount's coming out with a comedy about bowling? Not so fast. Coen Brothers, beat them to the stage. Both done by brothers, the Fairley brothers and the Cohen brothers. Article number one, smoking makes cancer treatment more effective, and now a new combination can too. Is it like a similar effect to like just let like Jesus take the wheel and like you're, you're Tyler Durden in, in Fight Club and you just let go of the wheel and you say, hey, to, smoking, take, take the wheel. I, I surrender. When I read little bits about smoking, making cancer treatment more effective, I was like, well, is that just because it kills the weak people off? So they're like, that those guys died of, of something other than cancer. They're not in the cancer statistics. If you take 100 people and they all have cancer mm-hmm. and, and the ones who are smoking, uh, you know, let's say it's 30 of them, they all die from sm- some smoking related illness. They don't die from the cancer itself. They took themselves like out of the equation, the weak ones, but whichever ones were strong enough to survive the impending lung cancer of cancer the brock lesnar of cancer patients <laughs> he smacked that's down the what, emphysema when it came from that's what i was i was wondering if this was like a correlational thing but no it's it's like legitimately causational so this is a really interesting is, article. is it like that that it, you're just more sleep like uh, if you smoke like a lot of people have cancer it's a stressful time you, you you a lot of you're doing a lot of processing but if you're just allowed to just have a marble red just to keep just you know it, it really just helps the outcome you're just relaxed you can hey you know what I, this ain't so bad or maybe it's just like uh, like smoking respects game. It's like, man, that guy looks cool as shit. You know, like, <laughs> like, a cancer respects game. Like it's like <laughs> cancer's like, dude, that dude, he just looks so cool sitting on that Trans Am smoking that cigarette. I can't take this guy. <laughs> like they both like, but they both like turn and like, damn, when like fentanyl addiction walks by. Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> So this is an interesting new treatment protocol, and it goes back to noticing that smokers undergoing a specific type of cancer treatment actually had better results than non-smokers, which is, again, one of those just random things you come across in medical science where it's like, hey, every once in a while when we calculate the smoking deaths, we have to calculate the ones who like lived longer because of it, or as we've talked about on this show before, who didn't get Parkinson's and die from Parkinson's because smoking is negatively correlated with getting Parkinson's disease. What if it's this? What if like, you know, like um, you're used to the grit, you're used to suffering, you're used to like being in the dregs, your body feeling like shit as a smoker and probably drinker mm. as well. Yeah. And uh, like the people who have cancer maybe lived like, like they're like, they're like this negative feeling. They're like, they're having the hangover, the worst hangover that this guy's ever had. And it's killing them. Whereas this guy's done this dance a thousand times. It doesn't break his spirit. Yeah, it could be that. It could be. I like the. I like that you correlated the drinking thing too, because a lot of people they drink, but only when they smoke. Yes, <laughs> and I smoke only when I drink. It's kind of like the uh, the way you. <laughs> Oops, it's a loophole. <laughs> I I was talking to a buddy of of mine who's uh, going through treatment right now. Is going through through alcohol treatment, and uh, he was talking about the smoking. And I was like, it is a weird thing where we're like, hey, you got to stop these drugs. They're killing you, but at the break for this meeting to stop these drugs we will give you another drug that will absolutely kill you yeah i don't have that um i've never had that with tobacco what i have is uh you know it'd go great with this beer 12 more beers 
That's 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 the bug I have. So this particular cancer treatment concerns something called autophagy inhibition. So here's a quote from the article. Researchers have known for several decades that autophagy, which is the cell's natural recycling system, is increased in cancer cells relative to healthy cells, suggesting that inhibiting autophagy might be a way to target cancer cells. However, results from almost 20 clinical trials testing autophagy inhibitors have been inconclusive. End quote. What they were finding was essentially some of these had very noticeable, like in some people, they worked really well. In some people, they didn't seem to work at all. And they couldn't quite figure out why. And so they went back and they did like a bunch of meta-analyses of all these different trials to figure out what was the common denominator for those whom it worked for. Like maybe they were of a certain genetic predisposition. Maybe they had other stuff going on. And it turned out that they realized that the, there was at least a, a correlation between all the ones who had it worked for, or most of them, and being a smoker. So this this was kind of known, and they were trying to figure out what it might be. And one of the ideas was that it might have been carbon monoxide, because smokers have increased carbon monoxide in their blood for obvious reasons. They're literally breathing in carbon monoxide. And that's been shown to increase the effectiveness of autophagy inhibitors. And so in a new article out this week, which is the one we're going to talk about, uh, a researcher who kind of his his main deal, he specializes in creating kind of like gas trapped in gels or foams or, or even solids that you essentially eat and then you get more of that gas in your body. He worked to wow. create one of these. Yeah. What a Willy Wonka fucking profession. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus, that's so cool. If I, I would use it to, to do a lot of pranks where I would like constantly fill people with like stuff that made them fart, I think. Like that would be my use of the, this guy's fighting cancer. I would be doing like human whoopee cushions. I would even better you put, because you're putting gas in. So like I give Bobby this delicious candy. But uh, it's actually just like pure concentrated gas, like fart in it, and so like mm-hmm. like I think that, like as you're vomiting because in your body, in your mind, mm. what's you're burping up is shit. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's true. I guess that's the ultimate. If you're Van Wilder and you're trying to get the Dean, that's what I'd use if that's your 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 science. So he made like one of these little like capsules essentially that help increase carbon monoxide. And it turned out that that seemed to help as just like smoking did these autophagy inhibitors. And, uh, here's a quote. When mice with pancreatic and prostate cancers were fed the carbon monoxide foam and simultaneously treated with the autophagy inhibitor, tumor growth and progression was significantly reduced in the animals. The team also showed that combining carbon monoxide with autophagy inhibitors had significant anti-cancer effect in human prostate, lung, and pancreatic cells in Petri dishes. End quote. So very interesting. And it's one of these things where noticing a weird quirk in the human element of scientific trials leads you to go down the actual science route. Because again, if you were to imagine a control group and everything and the activation groups from a theoretical computer simulation, you would make everybody perfect and you would try the drug and it would work or it wouldn't. But like that's not the real world. The real world is you have human beings who have these different quirks and they do different things. And one of them is, you know, after they do their research, they're going to go home and 
you open up that pack of Marlboros and, and, you know, take a few drags on a cigarette and that might impact or affect the effectiveness of the drugs in those studies. And you don't realize that until you go back and you do a meta-analysis and you look at all the different stuff and all the different numbers and realize the correlations involved. It's one of those really neat things. Again, we wouldn't know that things like smoking or caffeine in, uh, ingestion uh, are negatively correlated with Parkinson's. We wouldn't know those stave off Parkinson's disease if it wasn't for these like natural experiments. So, I, I like the general idea of this. I, I always love anytime we talk about effectiveness of cancer uh, drugs. But what I really like about this is how it kind of shows how real world science works, which is that you can't control all the variables. All you can do is account for them and note them later on and see if the variables that you're not trying to study that aren't involved in your, that's just part of the, the weirdness of the human condition. If those variables end up being the thing that impacts the study, which in this case it was, and then you can go back and say, okay, well, we're not going to give everybody fucking pack a camel lights instead we will build these like little pills that'll put carbon monoxide in your blood and you know also help in that way but again we would not be here right now we would have not figured out an effective way to use these autophagy inhibitors had it not been for a bunch of people who were frankly a couple of decades behind the time in terms of their health practices and are smoking while also being you know trial members do you think like this fitness this resistance to cancer that smoking has grants you um, do you think that's why women love the bad boy who smokes behind the racquetball courts? Because they know that there's a certain genetic fitness. There's a resistance to cancer. And so that's the, the, on a genetic level. A, an increased use in your body of very specific autophagy inhibitors, which are <laughs> given to you from the outside for only specific cancers. Which, again, would be a much smaller effect than the overall effect of lung cancer and COPD and emphysema and stuff that you get from smoking. Yes. And the leather jacket. <laughs> it's like it's like the <laughs> hypothesis of why it's safer to drive like 100 miles an hour on surface streets because you could argue it's more dangerous, but you're on the road for a smaller amount of time. Yes, Bobby, thank you. <laughs> you know, if if you have X chance of being in an accident per any given second on the road, you are decreasing the seconds on the road. Which is also why it's okay to drive drunk after 3 a.m. Because you've given all the people, all the people who are coming home from the bars, they're off the road. But at 3 yep. a.m., the road's all yours. Your Your chance of hurting somebody else is minimal. Yeah, just hospital workers and like you know construction workers go who are an hour or two away from the job site. Yeah, and and, and that's it. And that's, yeah. It's not teachers. It's not students. <laughs> that's it. Just those two demographics, as opposed to everybody. Oh, dude. <laughs> On article number two, what happened to COVID's cousins, and what will happen to COVID? COVID's COVID. Like <laughs> just like a, is that how cousins work? <laughs> Yeah, I, 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 like uh, picturing like when Flanders had his family reunion, like they all uh, had, had like the same ding dong diddly Diaz. <laughs> I was thinking like what happened to COVID's cousins depends on like the location and time period he's in. Like if you're in Victorian England, that cousin's getting banged. <laughs> if if you're if if that COVID is last name Giuliani. <laughs> it's getting if you're in Victorian England or modern Appalachia, that cousin's getting banged. <laughs> uh, so this is an interesting article in Science, and it's about the history of previous corona infections in humans. Now, remember, we've had 
coronaviruses previously in uh, in human beings. You've all had them. There's four separate coronaviruses that cause common colds. Not all common colds, not all of them are even viruses, but about 30% of all common colds are caused by one of four very commonly circulating COVID coronaviruses. Earth, COVID wind, COVID water, COVID fire. Yes. And that's why this one was called COVID heart and it affected the heart. <laughs> that's the unspoken fifth COVID, which we don't talk about. It would be lame. It would be the lamest COVID if it didn't also have a monkey, which kind of made it cool. Listen, if, if his powers extrapolated allow you to control other, like if Hart like, allowed you to manipulate human beings, Professor X style, that's a game changer. That's that's We need to reassess the power ranking of the rings at that point. So this goes back and look, looks at, A, how did those four existing viruses we know get into the human population and become so benign as to be a, a you know little common cold? Uh, one of the ideas is that the great Russian influenza pandemic of the late 1800s might have actually been one of these coronaviruses jumping over into humans. So here's a quote uh, about the symptoms of this particular pandemic from, from Russia. People seemed to spread the disease before developing symptoms. The young did not suffer as much as the old. A dry cough was common among the ill. Some had a perversion of taste and smell and deaths rose. But all of them had to do that Russian hopping leg dance. <laughs> Suspicions ran high that a pathogen had jumped from animals into humans. End quote. And this one spread around, killed a lot of people, did a lot of damage. But what these researchers believe is this was actually the entrance of one of those four coronaviruses into the human population, likely from cows, because we later found an analogous virus, an analogous coronavirus in cows at around that time. And so it likely jumped over, came into the human populations, spread, caused a lot of damage, but eventually basically became essentially benign as everybody got uh, used to it. And we have seen coronaviruses jump into the human populations within our lifetimes, not just COVID, but remember, COVID was also known as SARS-CoV-2. SARS-CoV-1 was the original SARS that came out of China, likely through the from a bat through the intermediate of a raccoon dog, one of these small animals or a civet, got into human beings and caused a lot of damage, killed a lot of people, was very, very highly deadly. Then later, we had one that went also likely through bats into camels and then out into people in the Middle East, causing MERS, the Middle East Respiratory Syndrome, which was also a coronavirus. That one had like a 30-something percent mortality rate. Like, that was a bad fucking virus to get. And... We think, but it was that, kept yeah, at bay they, because uh, camels tend to be more of a like a, a rural. No, like it was like, like, it like just mainly affected Bedouin cultures, or was it? No, because you forget that in these places, the camel, even in very very wealthy areas, a lot of these people places have become wealthy. Saudi Arabia was a main hub of this. A lot of these places have become wealthy. Camels are essentially like status symbols. Show so horses. If you're yeah, exactly. Yeah. If you're a rich dude, you have like giant camels and shit. And so like, and so some of these people had amazing health care, by the way, because they were very, very wealthy and they still only had a 65, 70% survival rate, they which do is crazy, blood right? blood transfusions with crude there. You can't, like, it's not just because it's, <laughs> they're a wealthy nation doesn't mean. So the idea is that, you know, these probably hopped into human populations. One of them was traced back to maybe the 1600s, 1700s. One was traced back to even further than that, maybe the 1400s, 1500s. And that when they jumped into human populations, they were probably very devastating, as was SARS-CoV-2. And that eventually, because they mutate and they get passed around so quickly, as respiratory viruses tend to do, they lost a lot of the virulency. Respiratory viruses as... are the village bicycle 
of viruses. <laughs> Uh, and they 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 popped around and then they became less deadly and then we all got to kind of walk around and just kind of get them every winter and it's not that they weren't a huge deal anymore and that might be the future of SARS-CoV-2. I mean, we have seen certainly a decrease in the deadliness of the virus as it has gone down to the the most recent Omicron strain. Even though Delta, which came later, was more deadly than the original uh, version of the virus, Omicron is not, and all the Omicron offshoots, which are now dominating the the COVID landscape, they are not. Uh, so we have seen that this virus is now becoming more easily catchable. I will say this though, as somebody who who got COVID recently and then it came back and I, I had to have the medicine and the whole nine yards, I was vaccinated, boosted, whole nine yards. I am shocked at the idea that that might one day just give somebody the same you know effect as the common cold because that fucking kicked my ass so hard. I, I had the thought in my head, whoa, what would this feel like if I didn't know what it was? Like, what if I didn't know, maybe I didn't know about diseases. It was the 1800s and I didn't know about, you know, what was going to be transferred. I didn't know to expect SARS-CoV-2 and I hadn't been vaccinated. Like, it would feel like God was mad at my spleen. Because right now my spleen hurts like a motherfucker. <laughs> you wouldn't know what a spleen was. You would assume it was like where your soul was kept. Or something. Yeah. Oh, I guess it's not the scrotum. It's whatever pain I'm feeling here. So. Yeah, I, and the idea that that would just be like a normal part, like it would just cause cold-like symptoms, is just absolutely crazy to me. But, you know, if we get used to things. We get our immunity built up. The people who are most genetically susceptible to death tend to die. And then, you know, where the rest of us are left and we get a world in which this becomes the norm, which obviously is the case now. We're never going to put the COVID genie back in the bottle. And so we are going to have to either get used to it or and adapt to it or <laughs> have a real bad fucking time. But there is some interesting data, too, by the way, that this the article Howard covers Hughes about protocol, how... Where society adapts a Howard Hughes-esque lifestyle. Not the billionaire part, just the hypochondriac part. Just the long fingernails <laughs> and the peeing in milk bottles. <laughs> the Hughes protocol, yes. Yeah, uh, and, you know, there, there is some interesting overlaps to people who had strong existing immunities to the other coronaviruses, the common cold coronaviruses, and what that meant for them catching SARS-CoV-2. So really, really interesting stuff. Go ahead and check out that. It's a free article on science, uh, sciencemag.org. Very, very interesting, especially when you think of what are history's pandemics except our existing lives, right? We we go through life getting the colds that absolutely, you know, even if you don't think that these were the Russian flu pandemic or whatever, we, we know common colds, you know, massacred 90 million people in the new world once they were exposed to it for the first time by Europeans and as did things like smallpox and stuff. So like, we know these diseases can be truly horrible when your immune system is naive to them. And it's kind of interesting to think about history's past pandemics as our, you know, slight annoyances and runny noses in the modern day. Yeah. So our ancestors were bitches. I, that's, that's the lesson. I think like that's the story. Uh, I think there is no part of our lives. They wouldn't look at and be like, your life is the easiest thing I've ever seen in my life. Every, like the poorest, most disenfranchised person in this country right now lives better than almost any King of any country 500 years ago. Well, maybe if Charlemagne pulled himself up by his bootstraps, maybe he could have fucking had an Xbox. But he decided to continue feudalism. So, uh, 
dear. Thank you, audience, for coming back to Science Faction 688, where you learned all about how smoking can make some cancer treatments more effective. And what happened to COVID's cousins and what might happen to COVID, too. Thank you so much for joining us and come on back next week for Science Faction 689. All right, son. I assume you already know about the birds and the bees, so I'm just going to leave you with this. When it comes to respiratory viruses, why buy the phlegm when you can get the cough for free? All right, I'm going to go back to drinking. You've been listening to Science Fiction. That's not right.